What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod 2018 edition, Dave. I guess technically we had a, a episode last week, but we recorded it in 2017. So this is our first recorded podcast of 2018. So happy new year, listeners. And as a new year present to Dave and myself, I am Pashian. We're going to give you your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture, but as a new year's gift to us and as a resolution for yourself, subscribe on YouTube to this podcast and get a friend to subscribe too. help us out. Dave and I really appreciate it. We've been getting more and more SoundCloud uh, listens on, on the yes. red, which growth. we really appreciate. That exponential growth. Yeah, keep, keep doing your part. Just dripping in finesse out here. We appreciate you. So Dave, with 2018 now kicking off, we had the Golden Globes this past weekend. Everyone's favorite award show. Yeah, because everybody gets drunk and it's a good time. You tweeted about how it doesn't really mean much. Never has. <laughs> this year wasn't very fun either we've been talking about it on the podcast go back on our uh, soundcloud or on youtube uh, soundcloud.com slash nostalgia pod and you can find our conversations about sexual harassment sexual abuse in hollywood and how it's changed the landscape it really changed the tenor of this award show the golden globes hosted by seth myers who said that he was like the first dog shot into outer space for the uh, award show season because Basically, everybody's watching and seeing, how are you going to handle this? And what did you think? Did you get to watch the show at all? I didn't watch it. I, I tuned in and followed along, you know, as people won and memes happened and whatnot. Yeah, it's really the first televised award show. It's the first one that, you know, normal people really tune into, of course. Mm-hmm. That being said, with, you know, the Me Too presence and just the general air in the room for the industry, you know, it's Spacey and Weinstein, like you said, it, it, it kind of made the Globes have to be about something other than the lighthearted drunkenness and tomfoolery that you kind of expect from the show. So when you <laughs> take that away, what are the Golden Globes really? Because everyone, you know, wore black in solidarity and all the dudes wore the pins. And I mean, everyone said the right things. What really matters is what happens next. I think Denzel Washington said that on the carpet. It's about what happens a year from now. Is there actually going to be any real change? So... Mm-hmm. Everyone did what they had to do, but I don't know. I just it didn't seem like it was anything that you missed out on if you didn't watch. Seth Meyers, being a you know straight white male, predictably got out of the way at the show as a host. He's very uh, yep, absent, small presence mm-hmm. by design. I, the best thing about his monologue was when he had people do his bit from his show, the jokes Seth can tell. And because the awards don't matter in terms of prestige, nor are they much of a predictor for the Oscars. You didn't miss anything if you didn't watch. Yeah, I totally agree. Seth Meyers was in a tough spot. I think Getting Out of the Way was probably the best movie he could have done. And the the speeches took up most of the night. You know, Oprah's speech is being lauded and dissected today. It was a good speech, for sure. But overall, just the presence of the Golden Globes and the the tenor of the night was different. And that's the way it's going to be, I think, for the foreseeable future until kind of the dust settles on this. You know, like Oprah said, there's like a new dawn on the horizon. So definitely going to be changing uh, over the next year or two. In terms of the who actually won the awards, TV, literally nothing new. Hands Made Tale, Sterling K. Brown, and Big Little Lies pretty much dominated yep. for the movies. So this is the thing. You talked about how Golden Globes just doesn't matter. It's in a weird spot because we're talking about movies that have already been awarded for the Emmys, and then Academy Awards are coming up, and we don't know anything about these yet, like who's going to win, who's favorite, especially this year, where there's not really a clear favorite. What do you make of Three Billboards doing so well with Best Supporting Actor, Best Actress, and Best Drama? I kind of alluded to this last week when we did our Best Movies pod, which check that out. It's not a complex nostalgia pod. I have reservations about Three Billboards as a Best Picture contender and awards season force. So I was kind of unnerved just because I don't want it to win compared to the other films. But again, I have to remind myself it doesn't matter. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. Yada, yada. 
and what, what I keep hanging my head, hat on is that the Hollywood Foreign Press, very few members are also in the Academy, mm-hmm. like the Producers Guild, Writers Guild, and the Screen Actors Guild. Those awards are better predictors. So I'm like, let me wait and see what happens with the other ones before I start getting mad. But yeah, in terms of the wins, I mean, I think Francis McDormand and Sam Rockwell are pretty easy cases. That's not something I expect to go away. Mm-hmm. But Three People has got a screenplay award. Yeah. You want to award stuff for that film? I think the screenplay is the clear weakness, uh, especially at the end, as I've said before. So that that kind of uh, struck me as they're just kind of, you know, just throwing stuff at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Guillermo del Toro won Best Director. I really don't think he's going to win the, the Academy Award. So I don't know. It, it was weird. Yeah, it was definitely weird. And also his reaction to uh, del Toro uh, winning that award, especially be, when they, they call out his name for the nomination after Natalie Portman's like, the all-male uh, yeah, best, all best director nominees, nominees right. yeah. Definitely weird night. And, and your man, Gary Oldman, winning for his portrayal of Winston Churchill. And then yep. Twitter, with the receipts, pulling up the uh, interview yeah. he did like five years ago, saying the Golden Globes don't fucking matter. So <laughs> Gary Oldman himself said it. Last night didn't matter in terms of landscape at all, just more of like the tenor of right. Hollywood in general right now. Right. Also, like Oldman has some bad stuff in his past in terms of domestic issues, nothing like you know, criminal per se, but, you know, some bad things ha- he, he's done anyway. And then even Franco had some shady sus shit in his past too. So it's like the two male, you know, lead actor wins have, have the, the stink on them still. So it's nothing's perfect, but. Do you think Franco should have let, uh, what's his name, talk Weiss or whatever his name is, or Weisso, the guy from. Tommy Weisso. Tommy Weisso, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> Tommy's such a weird guy that I can, like, when I saw uh, Franco nod him off, basically, mm-hmm. Uh, and blocked the mic i was like all right that's fine like i don't know i wasn't offended like everyone else was <laughs> I, I mean i wasn't offended by him i definitely was, was in, i was interested to see what he was gonna say yeah <laughs> also uh, tanya harding got a shout out from allison janney uh, what do you think about that <laughs> yeah well if you see i tanya you might be more sympathetic to tanya sure. harding as a person as a character great win for allison janney i think she's very deserving and it's going to be her, Lori Metcalf from Lady Bird. It's quite, quite the race. The TV side, like you said, they're either playing catch up with like This Is Us and The Handmaid's Tale or because of, you know, when the Golden Globes take place, they're getting their the first look at shows mm. that were past the Emmy cutoff. And you can see that with The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which won twice. Yep. The Hollywood Foreign Press is jumping out of their seats to award somebody first. And that's basically what happened there. Right. From what we know, it's still uh, well-deserved. I would like to watch that show at some point. But yeah, I mean, overall... I'm going to pay more attention to the uh, Guild uh, winners. Logan got a uh, Best Adapted Screenplay nomination from the Writers Guild, which is really cool. Pumped for that, dude. I hope that they win. As I was saying, I hope that they get some some love for that movie. But yeah, the Golden Globes didn't matter. Tell me if this matters, though. Justin Timberlake's new album, Man of the Woods, coming out February 2nd, a couple days before his uh, performance at the Super Bowl. Should we care? I don't know if we should, man. That trailer... Which dropped was it last last Friday, right? Justin last Timberlake, week? this big rugged mountain man, all of a yes. sudden. Oh, Timberlake being conspicuously less urban, <laughs> less appropriating of culture, mm. getting back to his Memphis woodsman roots. Yep. And then he drops his lead single, "Filthy," which is anything but. It's just kind of more of the same beats for him in terms of his traditional hits. Yeah. It's livelier than "Can't Stop This Feeling," which was basically a Coldplay song. So mm-hmm. I'm happy about that. And it's better than anything on 2020 Vision Part 2. Yeah, dude. I, I hate that <laughs> album so much. That album's really bad. I would like to hear more before I get excited because Filthy was just fine. It's pretty catchy. It's been stuck in my head a little bit. It's a 16-track album, and it's been five years since he released an album. I'm cautiously 
optimistic because i don't know if filthy is that catchy i think it's gonna be more like 2020 vision part one 2020 experience 2020 experience part one yeah sorry part one yeah coming up on five years for that shit yeah i thought that was an up and down one that had some really high highs and some very low right. lows i don't really know how i feel about jessica biel getting a cameo appearance at the end of this song just kind of like throw that in there and for his features he's got chris stapleton who we know he basically like discovered yep. so he's gonna be on it the neptunes which is a cool one for Els everywhere right now and he's helping produce this as well and alicia keys so yep. three pretty big names chris stapleton's the one that fits most for what he's marketing this album as i would right. say right <laughs> yeah but i mean who knows what this is even going to be dude it's interesting because i'm not as excited about the music per se but i'm just kind of thinking about the the landscape and a lot of pop stars released albums last year i mean he's staking his claim he's he wants to he wants to get that first 2018 number one single by the sound of it mm-hmm. he was anticipating bruno mars and cardi b showing up but yeah. i respect the strategy it makes sense but yeah i, I like to hear more before i can because, like, Filthy doesn't fit that vibe of the trailer at all. So I still don't know what to expect. Yeah, I, I don't know what to expect either. Shout out Cardi B, dude. She's unstoppable right now. She jumps on, the, on that, that finesse track and all of a sudden it's, like, skyrocketing. So It's crazy. It's amazing. Honestly, like, I listen to them like, I don't even remember this song. I don't either. Like, I remember, you know, there's, like, four or five hits off 24 Karat Magic I really liked. And I was like, I don't remember this at all. And I listen back, I'm like, nope, it's, it's the same thing, just a remix. Wow. <laughs> Shout out Bruno Mars. I mean, he's going to finish his world tour off that album this summer. He just released a, a, a single via remake. Talk about legs for an album. You know, he's doing great. Yeah, I'm glad he got some Grammy nominations for that because it's definitely deserving. Speaking of uh, albums, though, so Justin Timberlake released a 16-track, it was going to be releasing a 16-track album. So that's, that's 15 songs in an interlude. Probably going to be, I have to imagine, close to an hour. Prince of the Lights. On December 29th, just drops out of nowhere this album, just for us, 26 minutes long. Fucking perfect. So nice. <laughs> the real MVP. Yeah. Francis Starlight. <laughs> Dude, I just gotta say, that album cover sucks. The aspect ratio, like, what the fuck is that image? Yeah, I don't know how they picked that. Because, like, everywhere you look, it's not, like, a standard square. Right. It really bothers me, I don't know. <laughs> it's so stupid. But anyway, I, I, I like the music. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I don't think this is, like... I don't think this is going to be Francis and the Light's best album ever. But for an album that was dropped out of nowhere, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Some really high highs and some very forgettable songs. I thought the first song, I wish it had been longer because it was, what, a minute and a half? And that beat is infectious. The sound is really, like, subtle, I feel like, in this. And, you know, there's, like, some really uh, heavy production on it, which is just a staple of his sound anyway. But... What were the songs that stood out to you? And, and I mean, what do you take away from this album just in general? Yeah, I mean, he's clearly a producer first. You go on his Wikipedia and you can see all the various music projects he's done with various outfits and projects and whatnots. He's pretty experienced despite not being super mainstream until, you know, I guess Chance really brought him into the, the starlight, if you will. But <laughs> I think the title track, Just For Us, is really awesome. I yep. mean, that's the song that you have to play for anyone who's like, oh, the Phil Collins clown? Is that reductive? Like, are you just saying that? No. He, like, he sounds like he does. Phil Collins. Yep. Like, <laughs> Which, I mean, I don't hate it. If he's going to be the, the, no, it's cool. this generation No one Phil else Collins, does right now. Yeah, it's not a bad lane to be in. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed the song Breaking Up. I felt like not only was it, like, kind of a clever wordplay on, on the chorus, and like, you know, like a phone call is, is like the, whatever, the driving force behind the lyrics, but also just, like, 
the way it was like sung and so simple, kind of like devastating as like a breakup song. I also really like the last track, Cruise. Yeah. Just put that on. Cruise is getting good buzz. You know, we were talking about which one to put on or on our new playlist, which you can find on Spotify, 2018 uh, Nostalgia Best Of. But I, I really was between those two, Just For Us and Cruise. I feel like those two songs really embody the, the album and the spirit. In, in between, there's not really anything else memorable, but that's okay. France and the Lights, they're not a top-tier performer yet, or he's not a top-tier performer yet, but he's, he's growing, yeah. and he's latching on to some huge uh, stars. Yeah, it's weird, too. Francis Starlight is his name. Francis in the Lights is the name of his musical project, even though Francis in the Lights is still just one person. It's not a band. So, a little, little weird sometimes. The whole idea of the band is weird, right? It's like whoever is there is the band, and whoever's not there is still the band. It's right, like, yeah. That's like the, <laughs> the, the, the credo. <laughs> if the name sounds familiar, you obviously, listening, you probably know the May I Have This Dance remix, which the subsequent video he did with Chance the Rapper. And then Friends with Bonnie Vare, which has Kanye in the video. Yeah. His, his other big song. He's actually interesting, too, because he uh, wrote and produced one of Drake's songs on Make Me Later. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, this is totally out of the blue. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that was a long time ago before anyone had any idea who he was. Yeah, he's an interesting guy because, I mean, you can tell just between all the contacts and people that shout him out and know him that he does a lot of behind-the-scenes work yep. in the industry. So, yeah, it's just nice to see him actually get some light, uh, get some shine because, you know, with the stuff coming out recently about how Atlantic Records would call albums, compilation albums mixed or mixtapes tapes so they could pay producers less. It's a nice when a producer actually gets the shine. You know, everyone knows Metro Boomin. Not everyone knows all the middle guys. So it's nice that Francis is able to, you know, kind of build himself up because he's clearly been at it for such a long time. But yeah, in the meantime, uh, check out his music because there's some, you know, fun, light stuff on there. Yeah, and we put, like I said, the, the title track onto our playlist. So if you want to get a little taste and see if it's for you, check it out there. Pass the playlist along. It's only three songs right now. We put Stir Fry by Migos on there, Finesse Remix, and Just For Us. We'll be updating it as we listen to more albums and see what's good this year and what what you should and should not be listening to. Speaking of things you shouldn't listen to, I listened to uh, Huncho Jack, the Travis Scott and Quavo collaborative album project, whatever. And it's just very disappointing. I was, I was not pleased, unfortunately. So you'll see no songs, Huncho Jack, which technically came out late December, but it's not on there. So you can skip that if you're on the fence about it. Odds on a Quavo appearance at Governor's Ball. Mm, that's interesting. I mean, Culture 2 is apparently like super close. Like, I don't know if I need it this fast. <laughs> Give us some we have time. Motorsport, which is crushing it. Obviously, it's top like 10 right now mm-hmm. with because of the Cardi effect. But like, I don't know. I don't know if I need Culture 2 and Strum Life 3 this fast, but apparently they're both coming real soon. I, I could see <laughs> Governor's Ball doing something. We're going to be talking festivals and music for the year next week, so I don't want to step on right. it too much. But I can see Governor's Ball doing something like there's going to be a secret guest, and it's just Travis Scott and Quavo as Huncho Jack, like doing like a 30 minute set. Oh, yeah, it's a good call because Travis is a headliner, yeah. They still have the one like secret, unrevealed act. Uh, Some people think it could be LCD Sound System. They would not be on the, what, third line? I think it's the second line. Second line? No, no way. Anyways, (laughs) moving on. Something that dropped the same day as France and the Lights Black Mirror, season four. Black Mirror is actually an interesting show. When it came out uh, on Netflix last year, two years ago now, how long ago was it? No, yeah, it was uh, October 2016. Feels like a long time ago. So yeah, October 2016. You hadn't caught up yet, so we weren't really able to talk too much about it. I think I gave a couple of takes on the episodes that I really enjoyed and some that I didn't so much. But you've had a chance to catch up now, Dave. So after you've spent so much time catching up on Black Mirror, how would you describe Black Mirror? 
it's it's a very unique show. I mean, I think the first thing you have to talk about is Charlie Brooker. He's mm-hmm. the creator, producer. I wrote a lot of it as well. Even though the rights are now owned by Netflix, the distribution rights, it's very much a British show. Mm-hmm. And you know, Charlie Brooker, obviously a British British fellow. Most of the talent in locations are primarily uh, English, English-based, English-influenced, whatever. I had heard about Black Mirror for such a long time. Series 1 came out in 2011, Series 2 in 2013, and then the John Hamm Christmas special was in 2014. But it didn't get to Netflix. But Netflix didn't pick up the initial rights to just have it on the platform until the end of, the end of 2014. Mm-hmm. So it was something that you kind of knew about because it's like, oh, there's this really interesting BBC show. Have you seen it? Oh, we can't talk about it. It's without spoiling it, blah, blah, blah. But then it got to Netflix and then it really blew up. And then Netflix basically outbid Channel 4, which is the British channel that used to be on for the rights. And I think they spent like $40 million on it. And then they immediately commissioned uh, 12 episodes to be split into two seasons. And when at that time, there was only seven episodes out. Yeah. So they just immediately commissioned twice as much content right away. And we just got the last batch of that at the end of last year. So it's definitely obvious that the show both took more risks, but also had more opportunities to have a miss mm-hmm. with the extra qu- quantity with the, uh, you know, increased seasons with season three and four. But overall, I don't think, I don't, you know, really knock the show on that because it's an anthology show they have to start from scratch every time it inevitably is going to take risks and some things are just not going to land i actually think netflix helps with that though because if it's a weekly show and it's an anthology if you have a flop it stands out because you're sitting with that for a week whereas on yeah, netflix you have a flop and you can just say okay well, i'm going to the next one and hopefully that one will be better and the, the thing is that there have been flops with this show but i would say the majority of these episodes are good to excellent television right and and even the ones that are clear clear low points i still don't think are bad no. you know they're not terrible you know I, I don't regret watching them so it's all relative yeah and I, I think i think the reason that we both agree that you even the the low points of the show are still worth watching is because this is a show that is a, a commentary on technology and society and the effect that moving forward developing technology into these like higher, more invasive ways is going to impact the way that we relate, the way that psychologically we're, we're impacted, and just overall like the way the world is. A couple episodes take place in like dystopian futures, which... Right, yeah. Some of it's really high concept. It's definitely a, a thought-provoking show, which even the bad episodes still make you go, huh, like uh, that, that was interesting, or at least something to think Yeah, about. get where they were thinking, or, you know, you, you got what they were trying to do, but maybe the execution was too heavy-handed or something. So now that you've caught up, what are some of the, the high points for you from the past of Black Mirror? Season one, the entire history of you, the clear clear leader there. And then series two, be right back as well. I'm, I'm a fan of White Christmas. Actually, before I even continue, the cool thing about Black Mirror, which I, I love the name Black Mirror, you know, it means your phone screen. That does a, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a cool title. But the cool thing about the show overall is that everyone you talk to usually has a different like order uh, favorite episodes or a different grouping of ones I didn't like that much. It, it, it really depends who you talk to. I think it's such a great show to uh, talk about because it has such a, we create such a wide ranging dialogue. Uh, but yeah, Entire History Review, Be Right Back, White Christmas. And then from season three, obviously San June Apparel. Yeah. Uh, it won two Emmys, obviously. We talked about that last year. I also really like Hated in the Nation, which was very long. It was the longest episode of the series. And then series four, which just came out, of course. I'm pretty uh, by the book with this one. I really like the two obvious standout ones, USS Callister and Hang the DJ. Yep. I like things about almost all of them. There's, there's no one I 
vehemently dislike. I know a lot of people are kind of down on the Waldo moment, but even that one I don't think is that bad. Well, the Waldo moment resonates especially now yeah. <laughs> that we've had the political atmosphere that we've had. Yeah, if anything, it's like spoiled by your knowledge of the real world. Yep. Like it, it doesn't <laughs> it hit, hit better back in 2013 than it does today. Exactly. Yeah, you know, as you were talking about it and just thinking about the shows, the episodes that I really enjoyed, the entire history of you is one that I still like sit with. I think I mentioned it on the pod in the past. Like, it's literally one that after I watched, I need to like take a walk to like just like clear my mind. Kebble dog. Tony Kebble. Get him in good shit. <laughs> he was in the, the the Fantastic Four disaster, mm-hmm. you know? Like, uh, But he was good in Kong Skull Island. He was really funny in that. Yeah, he needs to be in more shit. Now, that's a cool thing about this show, too, is it's kind of a showcase for a lot of British talent, you know? Some of, some of people we, you know well, really well now, like Daniel Kaluuya mm-hmm. from Get Out. But uh, a lot of them, you know, he's like, oh, who's that? Oh, wait, they were on Game of Thrones. Like, it, it's, a, it's a nice hotbed for, like, mid-level uk talent yeah it's funny when when daniel kaluuya was cast in, in get out and it blew up i was like oh that's the guy from black mirror like it's right of course it, obviously he's been in a, a lot of other quality things before but that's sicario like, yeah he'll be in black panther too yeah and then also thinking just about episodes i really enjoyed that, that you didn't mention or talk about too much like white christmas we you, you mentioned but john ham is just phenomenal yep. in that and he gets to kind of be like a don drapery type role which he's always yeah. just good in he just eats it up it's great and then white bear which doesn't really have like a big star but it's just like a intense like chase uh action filled one and 15 million merits is the one with daniel kaluuya but that one doesn't get enough love i think because it's it's pretty intense and it's a very like like you said high concept episode and it's also interesting because i've been thinking just in my like about a justin timberlake movie like was it in time or about about time about time yeah. where yeah. like you have like the how many minutes you have to live on your arm it's kind of like mm-hmm. the same thing in this like you like see like how like what your worth is and you can like build it up by the right stuff. just interesting how they pull from all these things what were the low points you i think you mentioned waldo was a low point were there any other episodes that you look back and you just thought were yeah not 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 up to par i mean a lot some people cite the national anthem the very first episode that's the the one with the pink <laughs> uh, infamously as a low point and like as the first episode of Black Mirror I watched, I think that was a good one to start with because it kind of like soft lubricates you up, like it softens you up to what Black Mirror will do to you. I don't think it does. It goes in pretty raw dog, dude. Like yeah, I guess <laughs> literally be, the first episode. Yeah, like spoiler, fucks a pig. <laughs> but I appreciate the national anthem. I guess that's what I'll say. Nosedive is another offsided low point. That was the first episode of season three. That's the one with Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. I really like it because that's such a, I mean, it's such an obvious like Instagram mm-hmm. play. You know, everyone projects yep. their best selves on social media and like it's a good idea. And, you know, Mike Schur and Rashida Jones wrote it. Yeah. And I think was it did Joe Wright direct it? Like it's a lot of talent there. But yeah, it was it was a little too heavy handed by the end of the day. Yeah. Maybe too long. It's an Instagram slash Uber commentary, right? Because like how like some Uber drivers will pick people up who have a certain level of star mm. or something like that, you know? Right. Men Against Fire, that's the one when, like, the soldiers with the they, the AR yep. vision is changed or whatever. And, like, that's another one. I think it's like, kind of, like, tilts its hand too early. You kind of can see what's coming. But, again, the idea, like, I got the idea, but, you know, didn't totally work. You know, I, I've seen the first four episodes of the new season. And Crocodile and Archangel, I guess Crocodile was a little predictable. Yeah, and Crocodile just, like... Didn't mind it. Oh, man. I didn't think it was a horrible episode, but just, like, this girl, like... What were you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> Just don't give her your memories. What What are they gonna do? Put you in jail for a little bit? Like it was a little irrational. I, also, I didn't find it very like believable. But it's like you have to suspend belief for a lot of these episodes. Uh, of course, yeah. You, you buy in from the start, and then 
as long as it doesn't break the rules it sets from there, you're okay. Shut Up and Dance is kind of similar to uh, past episodes, but, you know, again, I, I thought it was good. Nothing I like, I have no, no ones I really hate. If there's any through line or, like, similarities that you see from season to season at this point, it seems like there's always going to be one that's sort of like a thriller in a way. Like, they had White Bear, they had Shut Up and Dance, and then this, this year Metalhead seems to kind of be in the same vein of just kind of like a, a chase brought on by technology in some way. And then it also seems like, especially since it's gone, come to Netflix, there's going to be one episode that's uplifting and about love, in a, in a sense, and how technology in the future could actually be helpful in terms of love, like San Junipero, uh, which won the Emmy for uh, one TV movie. Yeah, and then writing as well, one too. So uh, that one and uh, Hang the DJ also had a happy ending, which you don't really get in Black Mirror. I wonder if that plays a part into why people find those to be two of the more enjoyable episodes, too. Yeah, I, th- I saw some people saying Hang the DJ was like was kind of lazy storytelling. I don't know. I think it's just such an immediately resonant, immediately personable uh, episode that people relate to really easily. I mean, obviously, it's a you know Tinder play. Uh, you, you get what it's inspired by. But yeah, I think Hang the DJ uh, really works. And San- But San Junipero and Hang the DJ aren't good just because they have happy endings, per se. You know, I think it's a lot more nuanced than that. USS Callister, I mean, really stood out to me. I mean, obviously, Star Trek uh, play, high production value, you, you get that. Jesse Plemons, Jimmy Simpson, guys, we talk about, it's good talent. But, I mean, the twist in USS Callister is early. You know, like, you're watching that, and you're like, oh, this is going to be about Jesse Plemons, and he's he's a dork, you know? Right. People don't really like him in the real world, but then he's this big, you know, James T. Kirk-esque guy in VR, but don't get lost in VR, it can go bad. That's like what you think's going to happen. Right. And after like, you know, the first third of it, you're like, oh no, he's the bad guy. And all the people in the VR are totally setting it. Like, it just does not go where you thought it was going to go. Like, I, I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, no, that was a great episode. Also, shout out Kristen Malati. Like, she was uh, yeah, the, the girl with great. the umbrella in uh, How I Met Your Mother and also in Fargo, what, season two, I believe. So Correct. Yep. She's, she's gonna be going places, and an Aaron Paul cameo at the very end, dude. Yes. I was so pumped. Did you catch it? I caught it when he when he started talking. I did. I was like, I know who that is. I know. I heard the voice, and I was like, well, first of all, I've heard this on uh, BoJack Horseman way too many times to not uh, recognize right. it. Use of the VR. But I was so annoying. So I was like, Julian, do you know who that is? I was like yelling at her, and she's like, No, I don't. Like, leave me alone. It's <laughs> like it's Aaron Paul. So excited for some reason. It really got me. I'm the king of space. <laughs> Yeah, no, that episode, it was definitely different in format. I think that's the thing that they've gotten to do a lot more, like you talked about. They've gotten to take more chances. And the more that, that they play around with the format, I mean, this is like the new age version of the Twilight Zone. If you basically like... Exactly. Gave the, Clearly inspired by Oh, it. absolutely. And if you gave the Twilight Zone like a much bigger budget and obviously had more technology to flesh out the ideas of the Twilight Zone, I think this would have naturally what it would have become anyway. And the more that they play around with it, the more that they're going to find just different ideas that intrigue you. And I think Black Mirror is a kind of show that's just going to be around for a long time, uh, coming out yearly to buy yearly. People are going to call it quality as long as they can get actors that want to do it. It seems like people want to do it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you see it again this season. It's attractive to t- big-name talent, like all PTV, because it's less of a commitment than a movie. But yeah, I mean, we technically have no more Black Mirror in the future, as far as we know right now, just because Netflix hasn't ordered more. But I mean, the show was trending. On Twitter, like the show has never been bigger or more popular, and judging by the reception this season, it's still quite well liked. So I see no reason that Netflix would let their investment uh, go away. I mean, yeah, maybe they'll get it won't 
turn it over a year from now, right. like they did with seasons three and four, but it'll be back for sure. And I think my, my general take, I guess, on Black Mirror as a whole, and you can kind of see this through line throughout every, every season, is that Black Mirror is the best when it, it's about how people use technology, like the relationship with technology. Mm-hmm. And it's at its worst when it's about the technology itself, you right. know? The humanity aspect, I think, is what makes Black Mirror special. And we should get some more uh, down the line. But definitely, uh, it's, it's interesting because some people actually like want to watch it out of order. And you te- obviously, you totally can. There are some Easter eggy things that you might notice. But mm-hmm. I, I don't think any of them are sh- any of them should be skipped. Just watch them all and formulate your own opinions because, again, everyone's takes on the show differ. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. But there was, one, there was a song in one of the episodes that kept coming up. And it was definitely from a past episode. And I'm still trying to like figure it out, but I've been thinking about it. I was like, I've heard this song in Black Mirror before. I know that's like some callback to something else that happened, but I got to spend a little bit more time with it. But they definitely do do those, do those Easter eggy things. It'll be in, it would be interesting to watch it out of order, but I don't think the order makes a difference either way. No, it really doesn't. As we wrap up Black Mirror, we're probably not going to be talking about it again this season, but do you expect Black Mirror to potentially ever crack, crack like a best of tv like top 10 list yeah it's a, it's a good call i think i saw it like top 15 top 12 on the hollywood reporters list but most critics didn't put it on their list even though they had the screeners ahead of time but yeah the reception is strong i think it'll definitely be on there whether it cracks the top 10 you know I, I don't i don't know it'd be hard pressed to be beat for mine so far you know obviously i really like it but yeah it's, it's a good question because it's you know far away by the time lists come out 11 months from now how people feel about it compared to everything else they had more recently seen. It's a good question. Well, I also feel like Black Mirror sometimes gets dinged a little bit because it's not, you know, it is an anthology show. Like, they're telling a different story every time. It's kind of like easy where right. there's not a character you're following. There's not a story you're following from episode to episode. Yep. It's kind of easy to say, well, you know, like a show like Mr. Robot, which, I mean, maybe not a good choice because Mr. Robot's one of, like, the best TV shows on television in the last five years but that actually has a story you're following and it does innovative things whereas black mirror which right. is story to story doing very innovative things it's not cohesive yeah i mean i assume something from this season will be nominated at the Emmys, just like san junipero was and critics will probably follow that lead yeah no absolutely i, I hope that gets some love because it's, it's definitely a uh, thought-provoking and, and interesting show which unfortunately we won't be talking about for a while because it's not ordered yet but we'll get there Definitely tweet us at Nostalgia Pie. Let us know what your f- favorite and least favorite episodes are. I'd like to hear what people think because it really varies. Absolutely. Find Dave at Martin Swagger. Find myself at Sheeny World Peace on Twitter. Go to soundcloud.com slash Nostalgia Pod to find any way to listen to the show. And go to YouTube. Give us a subscription. Share us. Comment. You can be like Hoodie L who commented on our yeah. video one time. So, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, we have a lot of different things coming up. Obviously, we're getting into award season. We have preview for the year next week. We're going to be talking about music that we're looking forward to and festivals that we are or aren't looking forward to. I think that'll be a fun discussion. Yeah, anything you want to talk about this year, let us know. We will watch. We are shameless in terms of, of bringing you content. <laughs> Any last thoughts, Dave? Yeah, I mean, there's actually some stuff coming up this week music front really only one album anyone will pay attention to it's camilla cabello's debut solo album camilla i'll probably check that out due to morbid curiosity i mean i listened to the totally forgettable fifth harmony record <laughs> last summer so i'll be curious to see what camilla's got on her own brain going on but and the tv sunday the shy on showtime started that's uh a show about chicago youth from lena waith who obviously won the emmy for master of none and has Jason Mitchell, 
guy we loved from Mudbound, and also has Alex Hibbert, who played young Chiron in Moonlight. Ah. That's a show that might be around for a while, given the pedigree. This Friday, yeah, we have Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams on Amazon Prime, and this is kind of like a Black Mirror-adjacent show. It's about technology. It's about it's very Black Mirror-esque. Uh, I think the reviews aren't quite as strong, but I mean, if you have that itch, you know, maybe check this out and see if you like it because uh, similar to Black Mirror, there's quite a talented uh, cast throughout it. Richard Madden, who played Rob Stark, is there, as well as uh, Liam Cunningham, who played Sir Davos, mm. and then Brian Cranston, Anna Paquin, Terrence Howard, Benedict Wong, who was also in Black Mirror Season 3, uh, Jack Rayner. So there's some good talent there. And then Sunday, 14th, Season 2 of Crashing comes out. Pat, I know you watched some of Season 1. Did you finish that? The Pete Holmes comedy. Did you like that? I did like it. Didn't love it, but I definitely want. I'm intrigued by the second season, especially after listening to the Bill Simmons podcast with Pete Holmes. Uh, a great interview. It has me excited to see where they go with it. Judd, Judd Apatow, I think, produces that show. Yeah, I know he directed some of the first season anyway. And then, uh, lastly, my first guest needs no introduction <laughs> from David Letterman. Yeah. New Netflix interview show, which is interesting. Because it's coming out monthly, one episode a month. Is it the first time they've done that? I think it might be. First episode this Friday was with Obama. Yeah, which I'm actually really looking forward to that. But I'm interested to see what Letterman does. I don't know if they've ever done a monthly thing. I don't know how often Chelsea Handler's show comes out. Because she had a talk oh, show, call. too. Yeah. I don't know what the deal was with that. But definitely, Letterman coming back is big news. Especially because he has like a murderer's row of guests. Obama yeah, and the-, the whole guest list out there already. It's really strong. Jay-Z. Yeah, Jay-Z, Hove. Howard Stern, Tina Fey, <laughs> George Clooney. It's pretty good. <laughs> big name, big star. So, And honestly, the fact that it's once a month, I think it's really easy to get people on board because it's not like, ah, oh, there's a whole season of six episodes, eight episodes right now. Right. No, it's one. Just one. You can finish it off right away. You know, it's, it's very accessible. Definitely. Plus, it's Dave Letterman. Yeah, I mean, you, you know he's going to give you quality content. Just tune in, watch once a month whatever you're gonna enjoy it so yeah definitely a lot of interesting tv to check out uh, if you have that black mirror itch go scratch it as dave said but if you have the nostalgia itch give us a rating review on itunes tweet at us interact with us we love you guys we want to bring you better content in 2018 even though we think we brought you pretty quality content last year help us out i'm, I'm plugging that this is my new year's resolution <laughs> to get us off the ground more than we already are we're gonna do it Gang, 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 gang. See you next week. All my days, I pray.